Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. In this episode, we're going to talk about infection control, and we're, we're really going to cover the basics of infection control. It is one of those first foundational topics that is usually covered in your first couple of weeks of dental hygiene school in your preclinical course content. And for the dental hygienist, it's really important to develop a solid understanding of infection control standards and understand what the recommendations are in order to protect yourself and every patient that receives treatment from you in the operatory. For a long time, infection control's primary focus was to develop systems that helped protect us against the transmission of bloodborne pathogens. Systems such as standard precautions, which is described as treating bodily fluids as contaminated and used to protect us or protect patients as well. In this episode, we will review the standard precautions, also termed universal precautions. We'll take a look at the precautions that are needed to keep you, the clinician, safe and patients safe from the transmission and spread of disease. Some of the practices used to reduce the spread of disease will be covered. And also we'll take a look at what offices need to do as a team in order to keep a safe environment. So as I said, infection control is one of those first topics that you will learn about when you start your dental hygiene program. It's really important for you to develop good understanding of the basics of infection control and what the standards are so that in different environments, you can apply those basics and still protect yourself and your surroundings. You wanna make sure that you can protect your patients and yourself against the transmission of bloodborne pathogens and airborne pathogens that exist in the environments that we work. Systems such as standard precautions, uh, which are described as treating all bodily fluids as contaminated, and the use of protective barriers and PPE are the things that have been developed around this concept of disease transmission through bodily fluids. Now, standard precautions is one of the first frameworks for you to understand as a dental hygiene student. This framework of care was really designed to protect providers and to protect patients from being exposed to the pathogens that can easily spread through bodily fluid transmission. Now we know that saliva has always been viewed as a potentially infectious material and boy, do we expose ourselves to a lot of saliva. Now with the onset of COVID-19, infection control really accelerated its view on infection control with a lens on respiratory and airborne pathogens 
with an expansive consideration on aerosol generating procedures and how that contributes to the spread of disease. And that's really an example of how infection control precautions and procedures continually evolve and mature over time with evidence-based research development. So as we know more, we do more, right? When you know better, you do better. That's my, that's the old saying from Maya Angelou. So these practices are used to reduce the spread of disease. And there are a few things I think are important for you to know about the design aspect of infection control before we review some of the details. You as a provider serve a primary role in the design of an effective infection control program that's designed for your clinical environment. It's really important for you to know the responsibilities that are assigned to your role as the clinician. You are required to have specific vaccinations and up-to-date health records. You're responsible to know what the work-related environmental infection risks are, what the clinical policies and procedures are around the preventive measures and the precautions that are needed in order to safely treat and be a provider. It's also important for you to know what the exposure management plan is in the environment that you're working, as well as what constitutes the need for a medical follow-up if there's an accident that occurs. In school, your faculty and department head have an infection control management plan that supports students and patients with the appropriate services as needed. Now, when you work in private practice after you graduate, there's typically an infection control coordinator who establishes the protocols and the plans for infection control procedures. This person is responsible for keeping up to date with the latest recommendations from the CDC and OSAP, which stands for Organization for Safety, Asepsis, and Prevention. Now, just a side note, OSAP is solely focused on dental infection prevention and patient safety, and they provide training and education to dental health care providers to support the infection control coordinator and individuals. The infection control coordinator is responsible for the oversight of creating a safe work environment with the most current research at the center of their design. Now, it is still the primary responsibility of you, the individual, to maintain a safe work environment and be committed to the process. So there's your design and roles of the infection control in a dental setting in a nutshell. But there is so much more to understand, but there's your basic framework. We gather our information from OSAP and the CDC. We develop infection control protocols that create a safe work environment for us as clinicians and our patients that we serve. And we continually implement new processes as new research comes out. Now, in addition to the key roles in the clinical setting, there are specific practices that one should implement for safety of all providers and patients. 
The infection control program designed for your specific facility should be followed. In addition to OSHA standards, now OSHA stands for Occupational Safety and Health Administration for the exposure to bloodborne pathogens. OPIM, short for Other Potentially Infectious Materials, I know this is a lot of information, which is an OSHA term that refers to bodily fluids other than blood. So saliva is your example. A written exposure control plan is a required plan in your facility. Dental hygienists are required to have annual training on bloodborne pathogens, specific vaccinations, and follow-up if an exposure were to occur. So there's your basic framework of an infection control program and your key role within that program. Now let's take a closer look at your specific role in a little more detail. As a clinician, your goal is to provide care for your patient in the safest environment possible. That's your primary goal as an infection control person. One of the first skills that you will develop in the clinical setting that is seen as the starting point in creating a safe environment for you and your patient is proper hand washing. Effective hand hygiene can reduce the overall bacterial flora of the skin and prevent transmission of that bacteria. Now, there are two groups of bacteria that reside on your hands. There's resident bacteria, which resides and lives like a resident on your skin. And these bacteria tend to resist hand washing procedures. Now the other group of bacteria is called transient bacteria. These bacteria are not commonly on the skin as part of the environment, but are transmitted by contact. Now the good news is that transient bacteria can be removed from the skin with proper hand washing. This is an example of one of your key roles in the infection control process. The hands are one of the most common means of transportation of pathogens. So careful consideration must be taken to ensure that the hands are safe and clean, as clean as they can be. Now think about all the different aspects of that process. Fingernails can harbor microorganisms, so they should be short and trimmed. Jewelry should not be worn on the hands due to the contamination. There are many other details around the topic of hand washing that you will learn, but I want you to remember how important hand washing is as it relates to your role in the infection control process. Now the next primary role I want to mention is the process and procedures that you will understand to prepare, clean, and disinfect your operatory. This is also one of the first skills that you will learn in your preclinical setting. Your dental operatory has been designed for easy implementation of a disinfection process. The surfaces that you typically see in a dental unit are usually made out of materials that can easily be disinfected, like plastic or vinyl, hard surfaces that can withstand constant cleaning and wear. As a student, 
you will develop an efficient system or process that ensures that all surfaces and items have been cleaned and disinfected properly. Now, at first, this can be a daunting task, but I promise you this process becomes very routine over time, as it should. Now, a systematic approach ensures that all areas are treated every time. Now, keep in mind, this process will eventually occur between patients and you'll have a full schedule when you are out in practice. So an efficient system is really important. Most items within the operatory fall into one of four categories. And so they're treated differently as far as how they are managed and cared for. Critical, semi-critical, non-critical, and environmental are your four categories. Now, critical items are items that come into contact with tissues. And these are things like your instruments. Critical items need to be sterilized or disposed of, thrown away. So those are your two options on all your critical items. Anything that comes in contact with the tissue and bodily fluids. Remember, I told you saliva is considered one of those transmissible fluids. Semi-critical items are items that touch areas of the oral mucosa but do not penetrate the tissue. And these are items like your RIN kits or bite blocks. These items should be sterilized after use. Now, if sterilization is not possible, a high-level disinfection process should be done to these items. A non-critical item does not come in contact with any mucous membranes and it can be cleaned with any kind of intermediate level disinfectant. Examples of this would be your light handles or your safety glasses. Now the fourth category is the environmental category. And this is your operatory environment where there's no contact with the patient. Your environmental category is your operatory where the patient does not come in any contact with the items. And these areas can be cleaned with a disinfectant. Examples of this, your environmental category, are your countertops or your equipment surfaces or any of the housekeeping areas, the floor, the under part of the chair, things like that. I want you to think about something. Before you even became a student enrolled in a dental hygiene program, you began the process of adhering to the infection control protocols that are in place at your school. You've had your required immunizations that are necessary for healthcare providers, and you've purchased protective eyewear and PPE as well as uniforms. Now, the types of uniforms that were selected for you to purchase as a student are selected specifically around infection control. Scrubs and lab jackets are designed in a way to help protect clinicians from infectious material and to minimize the risk of cross-contamination. Now, in school, you will learn additional details about your clinic attire during your first few weeks of school, and this information will help you to take the necessary steps to ensure that your scrubs, your lab coats, 
and your shoes do not become a source of contamination for you or your patients. There are specific ways to disrobe and handle these items. Now, these specific guidelines that you'll have to follow will help you minimize your risk of cross-contamination. Now, in addition to your clinical scrubs, you will wear a hair covering to protect your hair from contamination. And this is generated by aerosols. And this is kind of a new addition to PPE for a lot of us in the last couple of years, since the focus of aerosols has become more at the forefront. Wearing PPE and the proper clinical attire ensures that you are practicing using those standard precautions that we talked about. So what happens if there's an accidental cross-contamination or some event that occurs where you become aware that there was a cross-contamination that happened? Part of having good infection control protocols also includes guidelines for exposures and accidents that occur. Now, even the most careful and experienced clinicians can have an accident with spatter in the eye or perhaps a needle stick to the finger. There's a documentation process and there's procedures and steps that should be taken if an exposure occurs. And this is an important part of your infection control protocol. The first immediate step is usually washing the area with soap and water or flushing it with saline or some kind of sterile irrigator. And then the documentation process starts. A report should be filed and the incident should be documented along with the necessary follow-up that is specific to the exposure that occurred. And these are all part of the whole infection control process. I will refer you back to episode number 13, which is the episode that covers everything PPE, personal protective equipment. And PPE is one of the essential components of the infection control protocol and the process that we use to protect both ourselves, our patients, and the environment and our team. So PPE is a really important thing for you to understand and get to know all the different components of PPE, what the roles are of each of those aspects and how they perform in the clinical setting. So as a review, part of the big picture around infection control involves standard precautions, provider immunization and medical records, what you're wearing for clinical attire, your protective clothing, how you manage your hand hygiene, the use of your PPE and a properly fitting mask, and we'll get into a properly fitting mask in a future episode, the use of good protective eyewear, and then proper documentation and understanding of the infection control protocols and what you would do in case of a situation or an event that occurs where there is a known exposure. These are all components of the infection control basics and framework or structure of the beginning process of understanding infection control. The good news is once you understand the basics of infection control and you develop a system on how you implement 
the basics of infection control in the operatory and in the clinical setting, you can move forward at understanding more about infection control in the sterilization center and all the different components and processes that the items that you use in your operatory go through so that you can maintain a safe space for you and your patient in the operatory. And that's for a future episode, so stay tuned. I will say that one of the most challenging uh, components of infection control that students tend to have a challenge with when they first start their preclinical rotation is the cleaning and disinfecting process. Because it is a timed event and you need to get proficient at it before you see real live patients in your chair, it can be very challenging for students to get a system down. I promise you that it gets easier with practice. And like I said, if you develop a system and a routine, it will just kind of flow after a while, just like anything else that you try for the first few times, it feels a little awkward and you have to think about each step, but it doesn't take too, too long. You just have to be patient with yourself. It doesn't take too, too long to develop a really good system. At some point when you are thinking about infection control, it actually becomes less about what you've learned and more about what you know and your critical thinking skills centered around the framework of what you learn when you're first being taught about infection control. Because there's so many different situations out in the field of dentistry, you will have to get so that you understand how contamination works and how infection moves around in populations. So that in the moment, if you are in a situation, your exposure or your decisions on an exposure, your critical thinking skills might be the thing that keeps things from being cross-contaminated or having an exposure. So minimizing risk is the key component. And at first, when you're learning, you need to understand all the different steps in the process. But I promise you, as you become more skilled and proficient with lots of practice and understanding and studying, this will get so that you can use your critical thinking skills and tackle any infection control issue that comes your way. Thanks for listening today. Join me in the next episode where we will be discussing all things ergonomics. It's important for the dental hygienist to be mindful of their positioning when they're performing the duties in the operatory in order to have a long, healthy career in the field. I hope you join me. Thanks. I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast.